heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son sent forth his servants to call them which were bidden to the wedding and they would not come again he sent forth other servants saying tell them which are bidden behold I have prepared my dinner my oxen my fatlings are killed all things are ready come to the marriage but they made light of it and went their ways one to his farm another to his merchandise and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wrath, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. You go therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how camest thou in here, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away. Cast him into outer darkness. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his course. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord Jesus once again speaks a third parable to the leaders of Israel. Dr. Mitchell calls this parable the marriage of the king's son. He compares this Matthew chapter 22 passage with a similar but different parable in Luke chapter 14. We find this parable fulfilled in history some 40 years later when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. What stands out in this parable of our Lord is the one who was found at the wedding without the necessary clothing for a wedding. And here Dr. Mitchell shares that we can stand before God only with the righteousness of Christ as our covering, which is what one needs when God looks at a person. Now, do you have this righteousness? You can and you do when you place your faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. Here's Dr. Mitchell with the Unchanging Word, Bible broadcast, Matthew chapter 22, verse 1. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the Gospel through Matthew, and we start today in chapter 22. May I remind you that in chapters 21, 22, and 23, these three chapters, which give to us possibly the, uh, the experience of our Savior and his ministry on earth the last week before he was crucified. And he makes himself, he presents himself to the nation, and he is rejected. He comes according to the prophets. He cleanses the temple. 
And then he curses the fig tree, which is a prophetic action concerning what God is going to do with Israel. And then starting in at chapter 21, verse 23, to the end of chapter 22, these two chapters, we have our Lord rejected by the nation. First of all, you have his challenge and answer. You remember, they challenged him as to where he got his authority. And he answers that authority, or he answers that challenge. First of all, he confounds them. And then he gives us the parable of the two sons. And there's no question in the mind of our Lord, and there's no question in the mind of the Jews, especially these Jewish leaders, that the parable had to do with them. In contrast uh, to the sinners and the publicans and the harlots who, first of all, lived in their sin and turned their back on God, now repented and came back to God and wanted to obey him, whereas the Pharisees who claimed they wanted to do the things of God didn't do them. And they perceived that the Lord was talking about them. And then we have the, the parable of the, of the husbandman, of the Lord saying about a man who had a vineyard, let it out to husbandmen, and then went away into a far country. It came to harvest time, he sent his servants to gather some of the fruits of the harvest, which was his right. And they took his servants and they beat them, stoned them, and some they killed. Eventually he said, I'm going to send them my son. And they took the son and they said, this is the heir, let us kill him. Our Lord was predicting what Israel would do with him. And he ends up by speaking of the fact that the Lord was going to take uh, the kingdom of God is going to be taken from them, from Israel, and given to others. And they would be cast out. And they would be ground to powder. The judgment of God upon the nation which rejected him. For here you have the rejection of Jesus Christ by the nation. Now when we come to chapter 21, verses Pardon me, verse chapter 22, the first 14 verses, we have the marriage, the parable of the marriage of the king's sons. Again, I'm talking about the challenge and the answer of our Savior to these, to these Jewish leaders. They challenge him, and he's answering them. And in his answer, he declares their rejection of him and God's judgment upon them because of that rejection. Also, this, chapter 22, the parable... The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, sent forth his servants to call them which were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, all things are ready, come to the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wrath, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. You go therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how camest thou in here, not having a wedding garment? 
and he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away. Cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his course. Notice the time element. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might trap the Savior in his talk. Now, I'd like first of all to say that this parable of a king for the marriage of his son is not the same as the parable of the man and his son in Luke chapter 14. In Luke chapter 14, which we will mention in a few moments, an entirely different story to this one in Matthew 22. It's not the same thing. I know there are some things alike, but they're not the same. Our Lord here is talking about the fact that this nation has rejected the Lord. And he's talking, still talking about their rejection. They have challenged his authority, and he's answering them and pronouncing judgment upon them. And he does it in different ways. The first one was two sons. Then it was the parable of the, of the vineyard and the husbandman. Now in 22, the parable of a king making a, uh, having a marriage for his sons. And he called forth his servants. It's in the plural. And he to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And they would not come. And he said, tell them what you're bidden. Behold, I prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come to the marriage. Everything's ready. The table is set. Everything is ready to put on the table. Come on. I invite you to the marriage supper, to the marriage dinner. But they made light of it. And they went their ways. One went to his farm. Another went to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them and spitefully and slew them. And when the king heard thereof, he was mad. He was wrath. And he sent forth his armies, and he destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So they went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Let me just stop here a moment. There is no question what the Lord has a reference to here. He's using a parable to reveal just one truth. Now, may I suggest, as a word of warning, parables, as a rule, are given to us by the Savior to teach some spiritual truth. Don't try to make every little detail fit. He's talking about one thing. He made a feast, a marriage feast, invited certain guests. They refused to come. They were occupied with their farming. They were occupied with their merchandise. They were occupied with the things they were doing in which they were interested. And they even took his servants and he, and they slew them. And the judgment of God fell upon them. And God is going to not only send forth his army and destroy those murderers who slew his servants, but he's going to burn up their city. Now, there's no question what was in the Lord's mind when he told this. Israel was invited. They were God's people. They were invited to a marriage feast for God's son. And everything was ready. The son came. He offered himself as their Messiah. 
They spurned him in their unbelief, in their envy and hatred and jealousy. They were ready to kill him. They had already taken his servants and slew them. All things are ready, why don't you come? They made light of it. And what shall the king do? So I read in verse 7, he will send for these armies, he will destroy those murderers, he will burn up their city. That's exactly what God did in 70 AD. After they had taken God's son and slain him, crucified him, he was raised from the dead, and they spurned the testimony of his servants, the apostles. They took some of his servants. They killed James. They killed Stephen. They put others in prison. They persecuted them. So what did God do? He burned up their city and scattered them. And those murderers were slain under the judgment of God. Our Lord is telling us exactly what God is going to do with the people of Israel because not only had they slain his servants, but they killed his son. And the judgment of God was going to fall upon them and upon their city. Now, this is not what you have in Luke's gospel. Now, notice in Luke's gospel, I read there, that a merchant man made a feast, called his guests, said, my dinner is ready. Everything's ready, come on. And he said to his servant, it's in the singular, go and tell those folks who have been invited to come on. And one said, I bought me a yoke of oxen, and I've got to go and prove them. Now, the man said, I bought me a piece of land, I've got to go and see it. Now, what fools they were to buy oxen without proving them, to buy a piece of land without seeing it. And the third one was the worst of the three. When he said, I have married a wife and can't come. And then do you remember he said to the servant, you go out into the highways and bring in who? The halt, the lame, the blind, the helpless ones. And he brought them in and he said, Lord, there's still plenty of room. Then he said, you go into the highways and byways and compel them, urge them to come in that my feast may be furnished with guests. Now in Luke 14, there is given to us not only the rejection of those who were invited, speaking there, I believe, of Israel, but also you have the heart of God in his compassion inviting who? The halt, the lame, the blind, those in the highways and byways of life, anybody, anybody to come in. Here you have the gospel invitation to anybody and everybody to come because the feast is ready. This is what the Spirit of God is doing today. He's using his people, the Spirit of God through his people, urging people, irrespective of who they are, the blind, the halt, doesn't matter who they are, what they are, no matter how far down in sin they've gone, urging them to come in. The urgency of the heart of God for sinners to come to his feast. The compassion of the heart of God for men and women, whoever they may be, wherever they are, whatever their color, whatever their country, whatever their condition, come on, I want you to come to my feast. My, my feast is ready, and I want people there to enjoy the feast with me. Now, this is Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. You don't have anything about destroying the city. Entirely different picture. In Luke 14, you have a the evidence of the heart of God in compassion for the hopeless, for men and women everywhere, that they might come in and be saved. But in Matthew's gospel, it's a very distinct thing. A certain king had a, a set up a marriage for his son, and those who were invited and bidden, they didn't come because they were occupied with their commerce 
I've got to go and till my land. I've got to, I've got to take care of my merchandise. And they took his servants and they slew them. You don't have that in Luke's gospel. But here they slew them. And when the king heard that, he's going to send forth his army. He's going to destroy those murderers. He's going to burn up their city. He's dealing here with a nation which has rejected its Messiah. May I again remind you, chapters 21, 22, and 23, you have the pronouncement of judgment upon the nation because of its rejection of Jesus Christ. He's going to destroy those murderers. He's going to burn up their city. My friend, that was literally fulfilled. In 70 AD, when Titus, the Roman general, came and destroyed the city. And we come to chapter 24, and we'll say more concerning that. Then he said, go into the highways and byways, as many as you find, bid to the marriage. What kind of folk? Anybody, good and bad. That the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Many are called, few are chosen. Now, some have believed that because of this passage, the wedding feast of our Savior is going to be on earth when he's married to the Church of Christ. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to be dogmatic, except to say this, that no one will be able to stand in the presence of the Lord without being covered with the righteousness of Christ. You remember, in Isaiah says, I will clothe thee with the garments of righteousness. And unless we stand before God in the garments of righteousness, which would be the righteousness of Christ, for Christ has become our righteousness, and then the work of righteousness shall be peace and so on. But here came in someone who didn't have on a garment of righteousness. He's cast out. Nobody will be able to stand in the presence of God in his own righteousness, in his own garments. Oh, listen, friend, and maybe I'm talking to you and you're hoping to stand before God in all your own righteousness, in all your own goodness. It'll never avail before God. The impossibility of a person standing before God acceptably apart from the righteousness of Christ. You know, it's a wonderful thing that God has made the provision for sinners, unrighteous people, to be not only forgiven their sins and receive eternal life, but to be covered with the righteousness of Christ. This is why Paul could say, I'm going to be found in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is by works, but the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. As Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made Jesus to be sin for us, he who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or as Romans 10, 4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You see, friend, you can't stand before God on your own two feet, as someone said. No, you've got to stand in the merit of somebody else. Your own merits will never stand the test. You can pile up all the merits you want to. You can never stand before God. People think if they do good things and give things away, that they're going to acquire merit with God. My friend, there's no such thing. 
unless you stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ. You say, Mr. Mitchell, how in the world can I get this righteousness? Well, the moment a sinner accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they are immediately covered with the righteousness of Christ. Indeed, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says, For of him are you in Christ Jesus. And when you accept Jesus Christ, you're put in Christ. And he has been made unto you in the wisdom of God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So that he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You see, no flesh shall glory in his presence. But when we come as sinners and take our place as hopeless, helpless sinners, and accept Jesus Christ, God's wonderful Son, as our Savior, we're not only forgiven every sin, but we're covered with the righteousness of Christ. And this party came into the wedding feast with no wedding garment. Hence he was cast out. How could he stand in the presence of a righteous God without his righteousness? And may I say to you very kindly, there is only one righteousness, and that's God's righteousness. How can I receive that but by simple faith in Jesus Christ? Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. Now, may God grant to you today to put your trust in the Savior. And if you have put your trust in Christ, revel in the fact that you stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ. And when you sit down at his table, you'll sit down there with a blessed assurance of your right to sit down because you're in Christ Jesus, God's wonderful Son. May the Lord make it precious to you today and revel in him today for his name's sake. Oh, Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, Savior God 
We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins again.